Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning. It pleases me to be with you this morning. And you might know me, and you might not, for I'm known by many names. Giant Slayer. Warrior poet. Man after God's own heart. The King of Israel. I'm also known by other names. Names that men will only whisper in secret. Murderer. Adulterer. Liar. Thief. I'm with you this morning to share with you part of my tale. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because that would be a lengthy tale, but I'm going to tell you a part of it. And the part of the story that I'm going to share with you this morning begins with the death of King Saul and the death of Jonathan, his son, my dearest friend. After the death of Saul, I was anointed as the king of Judah. And for a time, there was a rebellion by Ishbosheth, but we put that down. And after the rebellion of Ishbosheth was put down, I then became the king of all of Israel. Then I decided that I would make Jerusalem my home, my capital city, <laughs> Zion. I named it the city of David. And after I had established myself in Jerusalem, I decided that I would bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city. <laughs> What a day that was. Imagine the presence of God coming into the city. Man, we, we partied that you could hear the roar of the crowd and oh, how people worshiped. And I danced and I danced. We partied like it was 1999 BC. <laughs> and after a time, there was peace in the land and we had rest from our enemies. But then I thought to myself, here, I mean, here I am. I'm living in the, this city, in this beautiful house, this mansion. And here the Lord is living in a tent. The Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God, where heaven crashes into earth, where the presence of God meets with earth. Here he is. He's living in a tent in the city. Imagine that. And so I had a thought. I had a thought that I would, I would build a house for the Lord. So I shared my thoughts with Nathan. You, you've maybe heard of Nathan, Nathan the prophet. I mean, he's an oracle. He's a seer. He hears directly from God. He speaks to Israel on behalf of God. So when I, when I shared this with Nathan, he spoke to me and he brought to me a word of the Lord. And here is what the Lord said to me. He said to me, I don't need a house. I've never needed a house. But David, instead, I will make you into a great house. And, and I will give you a great name. And I will establish your people in the land. And your throne will reign forever and ever. Your lineage would always last. It would never be snuffed out. I will make your throne last forever. Forever is a long time. Well, not long after that, we, we started engaging in war with our enemies, and we defeated many of them. I mean, the Philistines, the Moabites, some of the other surrounding nations. And the reason why we won every time is because the Lord fought with us. He was keeping his promise. But not only that, I, I mean, I had some helpers. 
I had Joab, who was the commander of my armies. And I had my mighty men who would fight by my side and who would fight before me. <laughs> we, were, we were undefeated. They could not stop us. We were unstoppable. You know, it came to a point where I didn't even need to go with the battle anymore. I just sent in Joab and my mighty men. And they went and fought for me. And this, of course, was the beginning of my tragic story. See, it was springtime. It was that time of year when kings would normally go off to war. But I decided I would just stay behind. Instead, I sent off Joab and my mighty men, and they went off and they fought for me. I don't know why I stayed behind. I mean, maybe I was just war-weary. I was tired of having blood on my hands. Or maybe I wanted to establish my throne in Israel. Or most likely, it's because my men actually didn't want me to go off and fight. They were afraid that if I went off and fought, I might die on the line, and on the battlefield, and my family line would be snuffed out, and they didn't want that to happen. But it was on one particular afternoon, I, I went up to the roof of my house. I'd just woken from a nap. And I went up there just to enjoy the, the cool breeze of the evening. And from the vantage point of my house... I, I could see the entire city. In that moment, I was, I mean, I was, I was tired. I was lonely. I felt far from God. And I was vulnerable. And it's at that moment from my vantage point, I saw her. I saw her off bathing in her courtyard. She didn't have any clothes on. And I tried to turn away, but I, I just, I couldn't keep my eyes off of her. She was, she was beautiful. So I called in my servants. I said, I need, you to, I need you to find out who that woman is. Bring it back to me. So they went and they discovered, they came back to me and they said, her name is Bathsheba. And she is the daughter of Eliam, who is your fiercest fighter. And she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite, who is one of your mighty men. And I wanted her. I needed her. But I knew that if I took her, this betrayal would cut deep. So I spoke to my servants. After thinking just this one thought. Why shouldn't I have her? I mean, after all, I am the king, am I not? Can't a king have whatever he wants? So I sent my servants to receive her. And she came to me, and we slept together. I can't say it was the proudest moment in my life. I felt ashamed. I, part of me was numb. And I took all of that guilt, and I just put it down deep inside of me. And I said to myself, this was just one time, one time. I would never, ever do this again. And then a few weeks later, I got a message from Bathsheba. And the message was in the form of just two words. I'm pregnant. And then my world just began to unravel. Everything started spinning. I thought to myself, what, what can I do? I mean, what will people do if they find out what I've done? 
So, so I, 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 I hatched a plan. I, I hatched a plan. I, I, I spoke to Joab and I, I, I sent him a message. I said, I want you to send me Uriah. Send him to my house right away. And Uriah came to my house. And when Uriah arrived, I, I, you know, I, I, I tried to entertain him. I said, hey, Uriah, tell me what's going on with Joab. Tell me what's going on in the field of battle. Give me a little bit of an update. But Uriah didn't understand. This was all a smokescreen. It was all just a ruse. Because what I really wanted was I just wanted Uriah to go home and sleep with his wife. Because then Uriah would think that the baby was his. So I gave Uriah a gift and I said, Uriah, go home, be with your wife, spend the night. Then you can go back to the field of battle. And after he'd left, I thought to myself, problem solved. I went to bed. I woke up the next morning and I heard from my servants that Uriah didn't go home to be with his wife. Instead, he stayed outside in the tents with my servants. So I called Uriah and I said, Uriah, what's up, man? Like, why, why didn't you go home and spend some time with your wife? And Uriah says, how could I do that? I mean, the Ark of the Covenant is, is staying in a tent. And my fellow soldiers, they're on the field of battle and they're staying in tents. How could I ever betray them all and go home to a warm bed with my wife? And I learned in that moment this about Uriah. Uriah is good and he is loyal. And he's noble. So I hatched another plan. I kept Uriah in the city. And I wined him. And I dined him. And one night I just got him very, very ridiculously drunk. Because hey, here's the thing, right? Drunk people never make good decisions. And after he was thoroughly inebriated and pickled, I sent him home to be with his wife. I went to bed. I thought the problem was solved. I woke up in the morning only to discover that he had done exactly the same thing. He did not go home. He slept outside in the tents with my servants. So what could I do? I mean, what could I do? I mean, the nation didn't need another scandalous king, right? People believed in me. People trusted in me. I mean, the nation would come unraveled if they found out what would happen. So I did what I had to do. I did the only thing I could do. I contacted Joab and I said, Joab, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put Uriah on the front lines where the battle was fiercest. And when, when they're engaging the enemy and when the fighting is the thickest, I want you to take all of the other mighty men and I want you to back them up. And I want you to leave Uriah right there in the middle of the battle. And Joab did just that. And Uriah died there on the field of battle. After the funeral and the time of mourning, I took Bathsheba home to be my wife. And she bore us a son. And my secret died there with Uriah on the field of battle. Or so I thought. See, not long after, Nathan the prophet, <laughs> he came to visit me and he says, hey, I, I need your help with the problem. I wonder if you give me some advice. I <laughs> mean, giving the prophet advice, right? And he says, you know, I want to tell you a story about two men. There was this one man who was very, very wealthy and he had many, many herds of cattle and many, many flocks of sheep. And yet there was another man who had just one little lamb that he owned. And this little lamb, I mean, he loved it like it was his own child. He fed it from his table. He cradled it in his arms. And then one time, the, 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 the rich man had a guest come and visit him. 
And the guest uh, was hungry. And so the, the, the rich man says, well, I, I'm too greedy. I'm not going to feed this guy my own sheep. So he went to the home of the, the other man and he took his one little lamb and he brought it home and he slaughtered it and he killed it and he fed it to his guest. Huh. And when Nathan told me this story, I mean, my blood boiled. You know, I stood up from my chair and I said, who is this man? I mean, he deserves to die for everything that he's done. I mean, if I'm going to find out who he is, he's going to pay for it. He's going to pay for it four times over for the, the price of that little lamb. And Nathan the prophet turned to me and he says, you are that man. And I was silenced. There was nothing I could say. And then the word of the Lord came to Nathan the prophet and he spoke over me. And he says, thus saith the Lord, King David, because you have dishonored me and because you've done evil in my sight, there are going to be consequences for your actions. Yes, your throne will last forever, but the, the, the sword will never leave your house. Never, ever. There will be infighting in your house. In fact, your own family members will rise up against you. And what you've chosen to keep in secret will be exposed for everybody else to see. And when the word of the Lord came to me, it's like this weight fell upon my shoulders. And everything that I'd been keeping inside of me just came to the surface. All of the guilt and all of the shame. And so I fell to my knees and I said, Lord, forgive me for all that I've done. Forgive me for, for my sins. I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. God, would you show me mercy? And then the Lord spoke again through the prophet, Nathan. And he says, the Lord has heard your prayers. Lord has forgiven your sins. However, there will be consequences. And the child that was born to you in Bathsheba will die. You will not die, but the child will die. And not long after that, this child became sick. And I prayed and I fasted for days. I pleaded to the Lord, would you please relent? And on the seventh day, the child died. And when I heard this from the servants, I stood up. I went into my house. I washed myself. I put on new clothes. And I went into the house of the Lord. And I worshipped What can you learn from my story? If you will, I, I would like to share with you three discoveries this morning. The first discovery is this. Be watchful over your life. Pay attention to your thoughts. Guard your heart. Be mindful of your mood and your many moods. Watch the Transition of your heart farther and farther away from God. I mean, do you think that I just woke up one morning and decided I wanted to have an affair with Bathsheba? That I just woke up and says, hey, today's the day I'm going to ruin my life. It didn't happen that way. It never happens that way. It happened incrementally. One thought at a time. One decision at a time. One choice of a time. One click of a mouse at a time. One degree of separation from God at a time. 
Yes, I had the power to do what I did, but it was my inner habits that carved the pathway towards my destruction. Here's the second thing you can learn. The Lord is merciful. I'm a murderer. I deserve to die. And yet the Lord chose to give me life. Now you may be here this morning and you might not be a murderer like I am. But your word clearly teaches that the wages of sin is death. We are all separated from God. We all deserve death. And yet the Lord chooses to give us life and mercy. And yes, there were consequences for my sins. And there might be consequences for your sins. Because that's the thing about sin. Sin is a destroyer. Sin ruins lives. Sin wrecks relationships. But I'll also say this to you this morning. That the Lord is also a restorer. Because even though I lost that first child, that second child was born to me. And his name was Solomon. Maybe you've heard of him. I would love to be able to read something for you that I wrote. Can I read that for you this morning? I I wrote this just after a time when I spent uh, with Nathan, the prophet, wrestling with my guilt, wrestling with my shame. I put pen to paper and I poured out my heart. And I want to share this with you this morning because perhaps that's where you are this morning. Perhaps you too are wrestling with this inner guilt, this inner shame. So let me just read a portion of what I wrote on that day. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Maybe you're here today and you need mercy. The Lord is merciful and his mercy and his life is there waiting for you. It's very simple. It's not simplistic, but it's simple. You need to confess. Bring it before the Lord. You need to repent. Turn away from it. And finally, you need to turn towards the Lord. And he will give you mercy. If you're honest and if you're true and it's real, the Lord promises that he will show you mercy. Just as he did for me. And how do we know this is true? We know this is true because the Lord is a promise keeper. Remember what he promised to me? He promised to me that my line would last forever. That my throne would last forever. He kept his promise. Do you know how he did that? He sent his own son into the world. Born of the virgin. Of the line of David. One of my future ancestors. One of my future line. And he came into the world and he lived the life that we could never live. He died for us. Died for our sins in a way that we never could. And he rose up again from the grave, demonstrating his victory over sin, death, and the grave. And demonstrating that he was, in fact, who he said he was. He was the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, my king, King Jesus. And that if we put our faith and our trust in him, we can receive mercy and life 
just as God promised God is a promise keeper. Here's the final discovery. The final discovery is we too should show mercy. I'm a murderer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a liar and a thief. But I'm also a man after God's own heart. See, people are very complex. People are not either all light or all darkness. They're not either all good or all evil. They're not only heroes. They're not only villains. People are complex. And no person, no person is beyond redemption. You know, I've heard you've got this thing in your, in your world. It's called, it's called cancel culture. Apparently, that uh, if somebody makes a really, really big mistake, you just kind of write them off for what they've done. I, apparently, you stop following them on this thing called social media. I don't know what that is. Or, or you stop reading their blogs. I'm not sure what that is, okay? But uh, you stop listening to them. They no longer have a voice. They no longer have a platform. In fact, anything they've ever done, anything they've ever written is now suddenly worthless. This puzzles me. Because you still tell my stories. You talk about how I slayed giants. You talk about how I, how I honored Paul, uh, honored Saul. I've even heard that you read my Psalms. And they give you comfort. And they, and they inspire you. Huh, I, I've even made it into your Hall of Fame. Your, your Christian Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. If you can show me mercy how can you not show mercy to anybody else and if you can receive the lord's mercy how can you not extend mercy to everybody else i thank you this morning for giving me this opportunity to tell my story to share my tale. And with your permission, I would like to pray for you. Will you join with me in praying to the King of Kings? Oh, Jesus, our great King, thank you for your mercy, your life-giving mercy. And we, your people, ask you to be merciful to us for all we've done. We confess, we repent, and we turn to you to receive your life. And Lord Jesus, just as we have received mercy, would you teach us how to give mercy to everybody else? We lift you up as the great king, and we praise you and honor you. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. 
Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton, and you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.